in the spirit of kicking off week one of the NFL, we partnered with Jock Market, an incredible new app that combines both the stock market and sports. It's literally like day trading meets fantasy sports. They're giving all of our listeners 100% deposit bonus. Use the code POUND. And in the spirit of that, I had to bring on a professional capper, which we're about to get into in just a second. But they call me Avi Mush often on Sundays. So I didn't want to continue to give people some guidance of who's going to be winning this week or, you know, some players to kind of keep take a look at. So we're here today with James Alberino, aka Spread Investor on TikTok. And I've been following you for about five to seven years and you've grown significantly. I think you're close to like a hundred thousand followers. So congrats on that and and welcome to Pounding the Table. Hey man, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. I for, I forgot about the Avi Mush days. I think you've come a long way <laughs> in the last four years. And uh just to clarify, I'm not on TikTok. I haven't evolved the gambling side into dances or any choreographed skits. So it's it's mostly Twitter, but I gotta I gotta laugh when I heard TikTok. We should dance, yeah. So no, anyways, yeah, I was looking back. It's funny because we was checking my DMs back from like 2018, and then sure enough, my coworker knew you, and I was like, oh, he's actually like a normal guy from New York. And so you went to like NYU. You were in the tech scene, right? Like every other person that comes out of college nowadays. But then you've actually moved from New York, I believe, now to Las Vegas full time, where you're. Is the correct term professional capper? Yeah, and you know, different terms get used. A lot of people will call themselves professional gambler, sports handicapper. Yeah, I, I don't. A lot of people, I, I don't know at what point someone really calls themselves professional. I think it gets used loosely, honestly, in the industry. Mm-hmm. I think you become professional when um, you're you're making all of your income from betting and you're not you know you're not tapping into other sources and you've proven it over a couple of years everyone's like why are we talking sports on a on a stock podcast but i think there's just so many similarities that we'll get into right whether it's like the research of the stock or the team that you're going to be picking being able to hedge out shopping for lines now day trading versus like live betting recency bias like things like that that we'll start to get into you know but i really think we were talking before we hit record here about there's analytics side of it. And then there's also this, you know, parallel of emotions, right? Like how do you go on a huge run and how do you not go trick off at, you know, some club and spend $2,000 on a bottle, right? Now that this is your full-time job uh, and you made that pivot, how do you go about, you know, planning budgeting and, and really thinking about managing those emotions on cold streaks and hot streaks? Well, I'll say this. Doing this full time is not as glamorous as everybody thinks it is. And, you know, you win, you go on a, everyone goes on a winning streak, even if you're an average gambler. And when you're hot, there's not many feelings that are better than that. It's really how you handle the, the extreme emotions, high and low. And, you know, there, there's weeks where, you on a Sunday, you make five figures, you're, you're making over 10 grand and you got to be careful not to blow a thousand dollars, $2,000 spending that week and realizing, you know, you, you could lose a couple grand, six, seven grand that following week. And your net is a lot smaller. I think that you know, everyone who's listening to this obviously has some sort of finance background and when you're trading 
during the day. You know, the market closes and for the most part, when, when trading hours are closed, you can turn off a little bit. I think when, when you're betting sports, you're out a lot of t Saturdays, Sunday games are, are when you're out at events, when you're out Friday nights, it, you know, you might be having a couple of drinks. That's when the emotions and really that's when it becomes hard because you're not in the workspace. You're not at your desk. You're not in a formal setting. And that's when, you know, you're having beers on a Friday night after work. Uh, damn, I, I might've put $500, $1,000 too much on this game. And I think really it, it's premeditated at this point because I've been there. I've been there with those setbacks and, you know, you, you hit your head up against the wall enough. You start disciplining yourself. And I think the only way through is with discipline with this. If you don't have discipline with this, I think it's extremely hard to profit long-term. Yeah. I mean, I, I, and certainly one of those guys, you have a few beers, your unit size goes up, you know, in two seconds and you're betting a thousand dollars on a game. And then with live betting, that's just amplified, right? It's, it's a lot of analogous to day trading where it's, you go on tilt, you lost a few, you're going to, you know, try to win it all back. And I've been there. I'd lost at the Yankees twins playoffs a few years ago. Then I went nuts and spent a thousand dollars on a, it was Washington, I think it was Washington at home at like minus 800, minus 900. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to win back what I lost. And then sure enough, some upset happens, right? It is sports. And even though there's lines, you can have good predictions and do all the analysis of the world, especially with football, right? It's one fumble. It's one interception away from you losing all your cash that you had really no control of. Yeah. Sports is day trading on, on speed. It's, it's even more volatile. It's an even shorter cycle, but if you're day trading as opposed to holding long, the emotions obviously get to you in a four or five hour span and the volatility of it. Yeah. It, it's a big test. Everything before time, before the bet goes in, the research, the analytics, the situation, those are very similar to how you would look at a stock and look at the organization as a whole. Where are they trending? What are the last two quarters, sales, earning report, et cetera? The research leading up to a game, you, you do your due diligence, but then it's that three hour time span. It's a mental mental puzzle really figuring it out and i think that's really where a lot of guys in the industry and guys just new betting a couple of years into betting that you got to figure out the emotional side even more so than just researching games and finding the right team to bet so in what types of areas do you research because what i've found like over the years is everyone's doing their fantasy drafts right now everyone thinks they got like the inside information and I'm like, guys, we're all reading the same fucking articles, you know? And so it's funny because then there's other people that like go deep, deep down. So don't give obviously like away secrets right now, but are you looking at, you know, tens of different sources and even coming up into a season, like how much in advance of the NFL season, are you looking at roster changes, coaching changes? Like how deep do you go here? Well, I will say this for guys that don't follow me, I'm a basketball handicapper before I'm a football handicapper. NBA is my bread and butter, college basketball as well, and NFL is secondary for me at this point. But I get into the roster changes during the NFL draft. You're looking at free agency right after the NFL draft. Obviously, you're not, you know, there's guys that will dedicate themselves almost 12 months out of the year to NFL and do it at a really high level. You can definitely study teams 
from draft free agency and then follow what's going on in trading camp. The NFL, you are getting a lot of the same information that everybody's getting. There's only 32 teams. It's the most covered sport in the U.S. by far, mm -hmm. and there's not that much in inside. Now, what you will understand is interpreting that information is different from one guy to the next. Two guys could read about an injury designation for a game. One guy thinks it's a big deal. One guy doesn't. Someone's going to be right. One of them is going to be wrong. I think the highest level of handicapping is really blending a mix of everything. It's not just that this team is trending up. It's got to be this team is trending up, but the price associated with them right now, not last week, not two, is, is a good value for where I'm betting them. Um, situationally, travel, do, do you think that's a big deal? Do you think that... Um, this team lost a really close game last year to the same opponent. Two, three-point game, it, you know, ended on a field goal, let's say, hypothetically. Is the loser of that game going to be more emotionally charged coming into the rematch? Obviously, you can't prove some things and some things aren't quantifiable. But if you blend the analytics with situational factors that do repeat in one way or another over time, as you see in the trading market... Similar situations happen in sports as well. I think the best handicappers are the ones that frame everything with the most logic. Yeah. Even though there's a ton of emotions surrounding it. So mixing analytics and emotions, just real quick. And it's harder with football. You can't see their faces. Do you look at the number a week ahead and you're like, that's the game. I know that. This is the pick. So where you're going to lock it in at a good, either a spread or a good money line, right? That you want the number. And that's a lot of, you know, analogies here with, with stocks, right? Your people are looking for a specific number before they buy. And if it hits that number, then they'll go in and buy, right? So are yep. you looking at, with basketball, for instance, you did all this research, then you look and Kevin Durant's got a smile on his face. He seems calm, like focused or, you know, are you looking at their faces or is it mostly analysis? I look at schedules way in advance. I have spots circled on a, on a schedule weeks and and sometimes months in advance if, if it is the offseason there are certain teams that go into the season undervalued and no matter the sport that team if they're undervalued or they're overvalued it takes time for the books to catch up pricing them properly and you'll get teams that can go the first six weeks of the season fly under the radar and be a good bet I'm absolutely weighing on those, as are a lot of guys that do it professionally. And there's certain teams that perform better on the road than others. And if you're if you're betting road teams, typically they're they're more inclined to be underdogs than they are favorites, uh, with the disadvantage being on the road. But there's some teams that overperform road expectations compared to others. Basketball, for example, Memphis Grizzlies last year defied the, the challenges of playing on the road. It was almost automatic. If they were a road favorite, just play them in the first half. They're going to show up. They're not taking games off. They're young. And the market hasn't adjusted for the Memphis Grizzlies being relevant again in the NBA. The same thing was with the Phoenix Suns two years ago before the Phoenix Suns popped, and, and they got good with Booker and Paul and Aiton. And, yeah, I would say now doing this and 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 – and to a high level, man, I'm competing with guys that will bet a number the second it comes out. 
the second it comes out, you'll see a number pop up and the overnight bets, you'll get guys in Vegas that will put, depending on the limits, sometimes it might only be five grand, but they're putting five grand immediately on that opening number because they were waiting for it to post and then the book will adjust it point, point and a half. So there are times you got to be within a 10, 15 minute window and jump on a game before it starts trickling up or in the wrong direction. Well, and that, and that like in its core, they're both markets. Vegas is essentially the market maker, right? And they're essentially trying to go. And I don't even know, they have crazy algorithms that come up with this very quickly, I imagine. And but you can catch different lines on different books and people in Vegas do that all the time. Now everyone with online all the time, multiple books as well. So you buy the hook or no? I never buy the hook. I used to buy the hook years ago and it was a thing for me. Like I want to win as many games as possible. And yes, I still do. Every, everybody does, but paying 10, 15 cents every time to buy a half a point is just ridiculously expensive. It costs way too much in the long term. First off, you should be looking for games that cover with, with that have a little bit of margin. It's just really more about accepting the, if you lose a game, you gotta accept it. I lost the game. I can't, yeah. I, I'm not gonna go 80%. I gotta, I gotta deal with the 42% loss rate and make sure I'm not, you know, juiced out 25, 30 cents. Yeah. No, I'm glad you said that. Cause like the, the people that I know that are, they all say you're an idiot if you buy the hook, but I always Tend to end up like if I do a parlay with multiple teams, which is also a dumb move to do, as well as teasers, which is a whole different story. What we mean, if no one knows what by the hook means, it's, you know, on key numbers. So like field goal is three points, right? Touchdown seven points. So on those key numbers, if the line's seven and a half, buying that half a point to make sure you're kind of on that key number. So James, I know you have your service, obviously with Spread Investor, but you know, you give a lot of free picks away, which is awesome. And that's of course how I found you. Uh, and your week one picks you give away for free anyways. So let's dive in. I'd love to to hear some thoughts. And you got a full slate this week, right? Everyone's coming in fresh. You've done your research throughout the summer. You're saying, you know, how do you, do you go just game by game by game? Or you know certain teams and you kind of pinpoint on those five games and then you pick three, let's say. It's different for every game. I think every game is a different approach. And, you know, that's the case for every week. You know, it's, certain things stand out. Like I like the Jaguars. I, I bet them about three weeks ago at plus three and a half. And it was from watching Washington in the preseason. Their defense didn't look good. It's two games. Now their safety cam curl is out and they got questions at linebacker and the Jags are a team. They got a couple of things going for them. Trevor Lawrence is really, really good and wasn't able to show that last year because he was in a dysfunctional mess under Urban Meyer. Then to that point, you have a team that did have a lot of talent, not a lot of depth, but they did. their starters have a lot of talent. And they go from a guy that they hated, who was basically a, a drunken uncle at times. And, <laughs> and now they go to a guy who's a Super Bowl champ from years ago. So the emotional factor, that team just being in much better spirits the entire offseason, going from hell to a much better situation, I think that plays into some momentum. Washington's got a lot of questions. Carson Wentz hasn't had a good stretch the last couple of years. Doug Peterson knows everything there is to know about him, so he could game plan around that. And whenever a team has a season like three wins, four wins, and they're the joke of the NFL and all the NFL memes are coming out, making fun of them. Yeah. The majority of people aren't going to buy into that team. But look at this team. Trevor Lawrence 
On the defensive side, Josh Allen, Arden Key, who they added, Tyson Campbell at corner, uh, and Trayvon Walker from Georgia. Their, their first-round picks, really, really good edge rusher who w- looked really good in the preseason, too. And then on offense, they got Travis Etienne back, who a lot of people don't... Yeah, from Clemson. It, it, and he caught, he caught over 35 passes his senior year at Clemson. He, he, they're going to split him out wide. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he catches 40, 45 passes for the Jaguars this year. And in a game versus Washington where they have questions at linebacker, you split Travis Etienne, put him in the slot, try to match him up with with a linebacker that he's faster than. James Robinson's full strength. He's going to be playing, so you have two really good running backs. The offensive line improved, both talent and experience. And Christian Kirk did. Christian, Christian Kirk, too, and Zay Jones, two guys that are not studs but can contribute for – and another guy, Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram, yeah. if, Evan Ingram, if he had good offensive coaching the last couple of years, Evan Ingram would have been really good with the Giants. And that's a guy that's not listed as a wide receiver, but he might as well be. He's he's going to get matched up against some guys that he's faster than, and he could very well split out wide. So Is he I fully healthy right now? Because that, that was his thing. But he also, I mean, he's playing with Jones as well with the Giants. And, and I think Lawrence is obviously much better, I think, than, than Jones. Yeah. Better quarterback. He's, he's he's fully healthy. He's good to go. I think the Jaguars are going to be able to move the ball a good amount in this game. And defensively, they've improved. I think the Jaguars will have a chance to win this game. I got to ask you, Packers, Vikings. Well, I know you're a Vikings fan. Hey, you better be careful. No, I want to hear your thoughts. No, I like the Vikings this year. I think their offense is going to be really good under O'Connell. I think the Jalen Rieger adds also good. Yeah. Jefferson, Jefferson, Thielen, Rieger in a pass-heavy offense. Dalvin Cook's another really good, uh, really good receiving running back. And defensively, getting Darius Smith, Hunter. That it's going to be a good team. And Alan Lazard's out for the Packers. He is officially out now. He's he's officially out. Bakhtiari is questionable. They got two two offensive linemen questionable for Sunday. If I don't bet the plus one, one and a half, I'm probably going to tease them up with Kansas City. But I think Minnesota could win this game. Aaron Rodgers hasn't as far from dominated Minnesota in Minnesota like he has the rest of the division. I think this will be a big game. And there's another team going from a quarterback. I mean, you, you're familiar with how bad the reports at the end of the season were with Zimmer and the players get rubbed really the wrong way. So they go from, they go from a really disgruntled guy in a bad situation to – a guy that helped the team win a Super Bowl and has a really innovative offense. Well, that's what I'm, I'm seeing. And you're, or you're talking about uh, the Jags, was, and I was wondering if they're doing somewhat of that similar offense. I bought Madden for the first time in a few years and been playing with the new offense with the Vikings. It, it, Jefferson's in the backfield. He's coming out. like that. That's going to be fun to watch like they did with the Rams. The only, I guess, concern, I mean, Packers D, I think, is very improved right now. Uh but they're playing with two rookie receivers, you know, coming out if Lazard's not there. Although Rodgers is a magician, so he can kind of work with whatever. But yeah, the defense for me is could be phenomenal, right? You got Smith and Hunter's back too, which is huge. Tomlinson's really good right now up the middle. Lewis seen in, in safety, so we'll see, man. I'm 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 excited. I'm I'm beyond excited. But I think uh, I think the Vikings might edge this one out early in the season here at home. I think the only uh, concern in this game is 
the Vikings switching to a new defense and it being the first game. Talent-wise, right. you know, you, but Rod- Rodgers is going through an adjustment. It's going to be which side of the ball. That's why it could be close. Is there might be some chemistry and, and gelling issues for the Vikings week one, but we'll see. That's what, yeah. I mean, they got new coaches, so they, it may take them a couple of weeks. That's my, yeah, I, I agree. That's probably the main concern. Any other uh, major games you're eyeing here, or you want to get into player props? I locked the Dolphins in a couple of weeks ago. It's at three and a half now. I wouldn't recommend that. I got it in at three, mostly because the Patriots are behind offensively, switching in, into a. Uh, I don't want to say a new system because a lot of the same concepts from uh, McDaniel's offense, but Josh McDaniels is gone. He took a couple assistants with him, offensive line coach. It's a different look. It's an adjustment. Offensive line didn't perform. Miami's going to throw a lot of pressure at them defensively. Uh, Miami's offense is going to be really good. I think to uh, I think all the hype is justified or hate, whatever. I, you don't know there's so many polarizing opinions on him. I don't think the hate is justified. I think the hype with him and Tariq Hill is very justified. So yeah. they're going to have a good run game. It probably takes Patriots a little bit longer. What are your thoughts real quick on that? Because like, you know, did Mahomes make Hill? Did Hill make Mahomes? You know, are they both just individually very talented and they're both going to do fine with that? Both, I think they're both really good, man. I think they're both really good. I think they could both be successful on their own. I think the one thing with Kansas City's offense, Mahomes got so used to being able to chuck it 60 yards and, and Tyreek Hill catching it and going into the end zone that I think at points, and you saw this a little bit more early last year, he got a little bit re- reliant on that. I don't want to say reliant. Reliant's probably not the right word. But he got used to the idea of, hey, I don't have to take the 80% throw that's right in front of me. I could chuck it down and see what happens. And he started getting out of his rhythm. It didn't, if you remember that team yeah. was three and four to start. They were, they were, the, the world was burning on fire. But in any event, I think Tua with Tariq Hill will be good. They look good in the preseason together. And I think Mahomes and the Chiefs offense is going to be more than fine. It's going to be a lot more singles and doubles than home runs. Let's get into uh, some player props and, and just even like how you, the, the difference in how you analyze, right? Because it's very much, positions if you're looking at the receiver obviously you want to see the corner is you want to look at the, the schemes and everything so you can dive real deep into individual players so i always find player props you almost have more of an edge uh than you do on games because less people are looking at individual player props than than they are the teams i imagine 100 percent smaller market it's not sexy a lot of people just want to bet the spread put a extra money on one game and, and let it ride and the prop market isn't about just a player. It's about the the derivative markets within that player. For a quarterback, there's passing yards over under. There's pass completions over under, which is a different market. There's rushing yards for that quarterback, a completely different market. And then interceptions thrown. Um, so, yeah, when you boil it all down and, and go down that funnel, by the by the end, some of these... Markets are being looked at by, no exaggeration, less than 1% of the market that is looking at spreads and totals. So who's got the edge this week? Who are you looking at? Well, stick with the Jaguars. I like Trevor Lawrence over props. I'm just deciding which way to play it because you can make an argument to play all three of these. His over-under passing yards is either 236.5, 237.5. I think that can go over. 
I like his completions over at 21 and a half and rushing yards, 16 and a half. He went, he went over that rushing total 10 times last year. Washington gave up the most rushing yards to quarterbacks in 2021. Um, you said their linebackers are hurt too. Yeah, linebacker questions. I think I think my only concern with playing the rushing prop is I think that wide receiver, I think he's gonna have a lot of options in the pass game and he's just gonna he's gonna be thrown. I like completions a lot because I think he's I think he has six different weapons he could spread the ball around to, five to six different weapons. I think completions over 21 and a half is low. I, I had him closer to 24. A lot of the same players that I'm playing player prop overs. I looked at the price on Jock Margate. Trevor Lawrence is $5.66 at the time that I looked at it. I thought that was pretty good value. Another guy I really like, I like Miles Sanders overs and Devontae Smith on Jock Market. Miles Sanders is $2. I think that's extremely cheap versus the Lions. He's good to go. He said he's healthy. Lions, another team. Question. That's in Detroit, right? That's in Detroit. Indoor. That surface, yeah. Eagles got a lot of weapons. And that line felt a little off to me. I don't know. I, like, I, I'm all over the Eagles this year. I like them too. With a, AJ Brown, they just grabbed. And Smith is sick too. That, that's one that you wanted to talk about in terms of like the props. I think that, that is that line not off, you don't think, at four? Yeah. I, you know, when. Felt too good. That's what I'm saying. You know, it's like, well, I was a little hesitant. I mean, there's, there's two sides to look at. When the books set a line on the road, they're setting it almost with a two, two and a half point home field advantage, which means that the Lions, if the teams were even, would be minus two and a half here. So with the spread being four, they're saying the Eagles are six, six and a half points better, which means that in Philly, this line would be about eight and a half, nine, which you wouldn't think that that's off but i will say this and the bills proved this last night road games in week one are different in a lot of cases you know you're not you're not jamming in prep after a sunday game and jamming it all into fight you have the whole summer to prep for this game and the travel conditions are different you know you know you're not rushing yeah. you have ample prep and usually your team is as close to full strength early in the season than they are w- with injuries so Again, like yeah, like last night, and I was on the I was wrong on the Rams last night. Like the Bills are minus two and a half, and textbook it says, "Wow, the Rams would be plus seven and a half, plus eight. They were in Buffalo. That's not right." But you know, road teams week one. So yeah, so to your point, the Eagles could fit the bill again as a team that could just take advantage of a little bit low of a number on the road. And you like Smith too? I like Devonte Smith overs this week. It's a 44 and a half. 31. Yeah, I think that's really cheap on Jock Market. I think his price on Jock Market's even cheaper than what the prop market has him at. But he's a monster. He's he's gonna benefit a lot from AJ Brown seeing a lot of yeah. season ones. Detroit doesn't have much depth at cornerback. And this is a guy that had eight touchdowns his last three games at Alabama in 2020. Dude was on a stop. He was ridiculous. Him and Jefferson Collins were so nasty. I mean, th- th- these are flyers. These are guys that, I mean, some of these wide receivers the last few years are coming into the league with more talent than receivers 10 years ago. It's kind of the same thing in the NBA. Yeah, I was going to say. Like, how, are these, how are these rookies playing so fucking good at a high level? They're, they're 21, 22 years old. And that's the thing. And in connection to the market, 
rookies, their their numbers on props might be a little bit lower than than they should be for some of them because the expectations for a guy in his you know first second year are lower than what they should be. Some guys are really performing right out of the gate, except for James Cook. I took him in every league because I'm a huge Dalvin, and I, I was watching him at Georgia. And I was like, he, he can run. I, I was looking at Nick Chubb a few years ago because who, who was right before Nick Chubb? There was, I think it was Swift. I think Swift and, and Chubb were at the same time, though. No? Or Hunt. Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt and, and Cook. Same thing. First NFL carry, fumbled. He got the Coach Boone treatment. Fumble the football. He's done. One carry. That was nuts. I took him, I, honestly, on jock market. I was like, all right, they're up 30. Maybe they give the third string running back a little carry right now, get his hopes up again, and, and that never happened. But uh, yeah. another rookie, Damian Pierce, who's, who's like everyone's like the, every fantasy, you know, anything you're looking at is talking about Damian Pierce is kind of like the quote unquote surprise player. So is he still a surprise player when everyone's talking about him? You like him here at $1.59. Yeah, I think that's really, really cheap for him. and. Yeah, a lot of players that get love and fantasy, the love isn't warranted with them. If you dive deeper, if you read Texans beat writers and quotes that are coming out of there, some of the things that are being said about this guy, you don't hear about with a, a lot of first year guys. Yeah, you know, I'm not talking verbatim. I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but a lot of guys have said something along the lines of he fires up the rest of this team. How many guys are you saying to that about a, about a first-year play? The way he, he runs over guys, he's really fast, bouncing to the outside. He's one of those backs that I think he could do a little bit of everything. And where is he? Where is he, Adam? Do you know where I'm in? Florida. College? Florida. Florida. That quarterback on Florida is going to be nice, too. Yeah. Old, old man Landry you got on here, too. So he, he's still, and he's coming back home to Louisiana. You like him here with with Winston throwing him the ball? No, let's, I'll also say this. Some of these guys that I'm talking about, we're talking about now, they're pretty good players for week one. And if they don't hit week one, I think all of these guys are worth following for weeks to come because these are all guys that are, that are undervalued. Well, yeah. If Jarvis Landry doesn't have a big game in game one, I think he's going to have bigger games than where the market has him at, at you know, a couple of times in the first five, six weeks. Because the Saints offense is really projected lower than they should be. A lot of people don't have a good perception of Jameis Winston. They, they don't like that Sean Payton left. Here's the reality. Saints still have the same offensive coordinator from 2009. Same guy who coached Drew Brees. Same guy who was coaching Jameis Winston last year before he got hurt. Before he got hurt last year, Jameis Winston in seven games had 14, 14 touchdowns to three interceptions. It was his best start to a year because he had good coaching. He wasn't with Dirk Cutter in Tampa Bay where he was There was a time where you, if there were bets to pick a quarterback to throw a pick six, I would have bet every week with Jameis Winston, but that was when he was with Tampa Bay. New Orleans, good, modest coaching. They have him run a higher percentage offense and his weapons are ridiculous. Michael Thomas is healthy. Chris Olave from Ohio State is a stud and Jarvis Landry is going to be that guy on the inside. Wait, we got a pro bowler on the inside with two pro bowl running backs. And I mean, you can make a case. Yeah, I can call. I love this offense. And I love a ticket for the Saints to win the NFC plus 1,700. I think them and the Vikings, them, the Vikings, and the Eagles are my three favorite future bets. Plus 1,700 for the Saints to win the NFC. Vikings plus 2,000. And Eagles now have dropped, but it's still plus 1,000. 
one of those tickets yeah. it's going to be divisional it's going to be divisional weekend in january you're going to be freezing and one of those tickets is going to make for a really exciting month Corlin's son, another exciting team, you know, in terms of, of offense and regarding the media, right? Everyone's all over Russell Wilson going over to Denver. I'm all over Judy. I, I think Judy's phenomenal. And then you're talking about Cortland Sutton here, who kind of has forgotten. He went down with like a knee injury last year, right? Yep. Yeah, and he's a big red zone target. Going to benefit from facing number two corners. And... I mean, don't have to sell you on how explosive Russell Wilson could be in this offense, but for where he's priced and a little bit forgotten about, sudden at $3.53 is good value. I'm so excited for this season. Than a lot of seasons the last couple of years. Why is that? Like, I, I feel like that's the vibe, though, like with everyone. Is it, I mean, because COVID and it was kind of like a half yeah. season to start last well, year. Look, from my stand, from a handicapper standpoint, it's a pain in the ass with COVID, obviously. It, it's it's almost every week. It was draining last year. Even if you like to bet early and you, you got the number, you got the situation. Do I want to bet this on Tuesday, knowing that yeah. on Thursday or Friday, this guy might get the sniffles or he might not get anything and he's going to have to sit out because he's on the COVID list. So I really wasn't excited. And also, the NBA Finals went to the end of July last year. We had professional sports going in through the middle of the summer. This year went back to the regular schedule. It ended mid-June. So That's I think there's a combination of starvation for professional sports. We haven't had it in close to three months and hopefully less COVID BS. Well, I don't think they have any rules anymore now. I think you can have COVID and still play. Correct me if I'm I, wrong. but I have to double check. Honestly, I have to double check. I think well, if you're vaccinated. Well, in training camp, there were guys that were sitting out multiple days because of COVID. Three weeks ago, Kyler Murray sat out five days in camp because of COVID. So I have to see what the game day protocols. It changed multiple times within the season last year. Like they had different protocols in the beginning of the season than they had at the end of the season, which is so annoying. But I'm hoping. I hold it up. The NFL, NFLPA will no longer require COVID surveillance testing on players and coaches, regardless of vaccination status. So testing will still occur for players and staff when clinically indicated. So if they have symptoms and they feel sick and they pretty much volunteer themselves, that's when that will take place. So it won't happen. <laughs> Many well, you're saying, if, you're saying if they have COVID, they can play at the, so, it, well, they're not testing as much, right? So testing will occur when the staff clinically indicates at the direction of the club physician anyone who experiences symptoms will have to test negative. So gotcha. You know, you have to proactively probably go, if you're, you know, Aaron Rodgers, you're not going to tell people you're sniffling if you want to play, you know, right. So there's going to be a lot, there's going to be a lot of cases that don't get detected this year and guys are going to play because there's less frequent testing. The show must go on week one, man. We should do this. If you're down, we could do this for a couple of weeks here in the beginning of the season. And, and I think getting your insights here is incredible because it's so easy just to look at a team and you remember the Rams were the winners last year, or, you know, it's, people love their favorite player, but there's a lot more that goes into this and, you know, hearing your analysis around how you dig into it and then the, the depth in which you do that uh, is very cool. I'm down to do this. Yeah. We could, we could hop on again for sure. And yeah, you know, whenever I'm on a podcast with someone like you and you're 
just down to earth and you're just, you're really just, just having a conversation. I, a lot of this industry is, is about, Hey, how good I am and, and my record. And I, I think this, and I, and it's like, look, I, I'm doing this long enough where I'm very comfortable with the fact of saying in my twenties, there were a lot of bumps in the road doing this and to be able to profit and do it at a level where I'm able to do this as my job. Like I think a lot of people will over inflate what, what can be done and they try to hype you up. And look, I love, I love working in this industry. I love all the advantages and benefits to it, but it is in no way, it should not be sold in a way that it's fast money. It's there's both of these are true. It's beatable. It's winnable. It's profitable, but it's really fucking hard. It's really fucking hard. And I'm okay with saying that because I, I don't, you know, I, it should be hard. It really should be hard. And I think a lot of stuff gets lost in the mix of, oh, well, this guy's a professional better. So he must, he must win 47 out of 52 weeks. It's like, no, no like it's like some of what's the, the aim at 64% or something to be proud. Uh, no, less than that, man. A lot of, well, look, volume betters. A lot of professionals will say. We hit 55% and we're, we're doing real well for the year. I bet much lower volume. I bet bigger on, on my bets because I go more in depth and I'm not betting strictly off of just analytics. I'm, I'm doing that extra step, which you know, from tailing my plays. Mm-hmm. So I'm able to hit, I'm able to hit at a higher percentage rate, closer to 60, but with less volume and, and less, and less volumes of wins. Well, yeah, I think documenting the way you talk about it because it's it's like you, I'm on FinTwit, right? So it's like there's there's sports twit. I'm assuming it's something I'm I'm in a mix of that, but mostly with FinTwit, you see a lot of these jokesters that are like, oh, twenty thousand percent, twenty thousand percent. Like that was me in 2020, but it was like actually real. I was like, holy shit, this is insane. But like I've always acknowledged that like I'm not in any way an expert. I am the retail trader, so I get off easy on the podcast, but. You know, it is hard to be the quote unquote expert. And if you do miss a pick, not, you know, people get shit on, or if we talk about a stock, people will like shit on that from like two years ago, right? It, it's a battle and it's a war, really, is, is how you look at this in terms of like day in and day out, the research and time you put in, you feel confident that at the end of the year, you know, you'll be around that, that 60% that's making money there. Some days you feel really, really smart. Other days you feel really fucking stupid. And I took the Rams last night. I went to bed last night saying I missed a couple angles in that game. And you feel stupid. And then <laughs> during the finals, I go 12 and 2 during the NBA finals. I say the finals because that was really the last significant thing I bet. I, I take a lot of time off in the summer. No baseball? <laughs> a little bit. I, I really, you know, the 10 months out of September to June. July is really so crazy that July and, and then getting ready for all in August for football. It's so crazy. I try to get on the, the hibernate by the water, man. I, I need that month, month and a half to, to clear out. So no, I, I don't like betting baseball too, too much, but the point I was making is that, you know, NBA finals, I'm, I'm, I'm hot as a pistol. And last night, you know, you go to bed feeling like a moron. It's really, it's really, yeah. And, and you, and you have to separate that. You have to, it, it, shooters have a, a short-term memory. You got to have the, the shortest memory in sports betting and really not look at a lot of stuff on Twitter and a lot of the stuff that's going on. There's a lot of diluted stuff right now in the betting industry. 
Love it. James Alberino, everyone. So follow him at Spread Investor on Twitter, not TikTok. It's on Twitter. So if you guys are listening, interested in sports betting as well as the stock market, obviously check out Jock Market. Use our promo code POUND. They will give you up to 100% or actually just a full 100% bonus on what you deposit on that first one. So it's actually phenomenal. I played it you know, on Thursday night and I will be playing again on Sunday. So James, thanks for coming on, man. We'll definitely have to do this again. Oh, this was a pleasure, man. I'll talk to you.